Welcome back to the Nerd Life Podcast. I'm your host and estranged friend, Ryan Brown. With me, as always, is the newly wed Christmas J- Mr. Christmas J. Birdo. Yeah, Mr. Miss Christmas J. Bird. <laughs> as if you if you would. Um, yeah, that's me. And I I think you know, I, I need to go on the record as saying is from this point on, now that I'm married, the tone of this podcast will have to switch dramatically, um, I would say. Like, I, th- I we're going to talk about ethics in business, baseball. And coffee and co- taxes. Well, coffee, sure. Taxes and both how I don't like them, but how hey, I pay bro, them responsibly. What do, you, what do you think about the capital gains tax? I have gained so much capital since I got married. Um, yeah, you mean you yes. find it hard to believe, frankly. All right, this is going to be a ribald podcast, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, and also you may notice that Jordan is here, but Ron is not. So you know, trading yeah. up. That's honestly the way that it should always be, you know. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> it's, it's just guns blazing. Guns Jordan. blazing. That's right. We Jk, we love Ron. Stepping the out the gate, Ron turns his back. Jordan with the knife. <laughs> we love Ron. I was just joking. We definitely okay. have strong feelings about. Ron. I was gonna say, speak for yourself. Um, yeah. Let me tell you. Speaking of Ron, let me tell you something that happened at the Holy Union of Christmas J. Birdo and his blushing bride so your your newly christened stepson was there with me and with friend of the pod jason uh whose name he could not remember and he said are are you jordan to jason and he said no i'm jason and i said i would like to point out the incredible resemblance between jordan and jason they do do look alike. if they were standing next to each other you'd be like these gentlemen must be blood relatives honest to god i only invited one of them but i couldn't remember which and so i couldn't i mean obviously i couldn't send them home sure what Uh, happened was you probably saw the other one made a comment about coming to your wedding and they thought i guess i'm invited too i knew i invited jordan but which yeah. one in the moment? Uh, yeah. I mean, it just would have been incredibly embarrassing uh, and mortifying if I asked the wrong man to leave. And it's so, true. you know, you gotta you, those dice aren't worth rolling. Not at all. So then I said, "Well, you remember who? You remember my name, right?" And Matteo said to me, to my face, he said to me. Are you Ron? <laughs> and I said, first of all, how dare you? How dare you? Oh, yeah. that's great. And then off in the distance, you could see through the tree line, Ron immediately gaining and having to hide an erection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was It was that just like that. And it ruined the rest of the wedding, frankly. He's lucky it happened at all. Yeah. Everyone else was going to go home. I said, no, no, no. Let's just do this thing. We're already here. I already buttoned <laughs> up my shirt. Let's just do it. That's true. His shirt was buttoned. I don't, yeah, and I, don't, I, and I buttoned my shirt for no one, so you should feel quite blessed 
I did. Like literally. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I did that. I did that. So, Bird, how's it feel now? How does it feel to be wholly matrimonized? It's been what a week almost. Um, this is the second week. We were married on the first uh, anniversary, seventh anniversary, both of our relationship and of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy One. Sure. Hmm. Which was uh, our first date. Nice. Yeah. And uh, it is very similar to uh, to the Guardians times, of the Galaxy. Honestly. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. No, actually, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. I had wanted us to watch Guardians of the Galaxy, but we never really had an opportunity that weekend. Uh, unfortunately, no, married life is the same as unmarried life, but you wear a thing on your finger. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only major change is. Uh, I now get like weird ghost ring anxiety if I do not have it on. You take it off uh, when I sleep because I read an article on the internet that said I should. I see, and and why should you? Well, do you sleep with your ring on? Right? Yes, but my ring is not made of metal. Well, I you know, I'm not going to share these articles with you. I don't. I don't need oh, to inject shit. any unnecessary anxiety into your life. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, well, um, I appreciate that at least. What? Uh, what? Uh, what's your? What's your ring made out of? Me, silicone. Yeah. I have a. I'm wearing a silicone ring right now. It's got Spider Man on it. That sounds much more comfortable, to be honest. It is, and it doesn't like get all gross and weird. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't smell bad, and it's good for like exercising. Like if you lift weights, it gets because it, it's like squishy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's good for that too. It doesn't like scratch on stuff and everything. Yeah, I, I recommend to, it, and it's way to, cheaper. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I'm incredibly squishy and uh, never exercise a day in my life. So, <laughs> yeah, you know that's and, an effect well, that's... you can get without a ring. Well, we love you just the way you are. Thank you. Uh, so, Bird got married, as as you can guess from this conversation. And it was a good time. What if I didn't, but we just really needed the material? Yeah, we did. I mean, <laughs> that would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, aside from that, what else has been going on, Birdo? I don't know if I can top that. Uh, well, you don't need to top it. You can parallel it. Oh, parallel it? Um, gosh, I don't know if I can parallel that. Not very little. Uh, I don't have I don't have a lot of anything to contribute, like news wise, mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, and so I'm gonna smoke bomb. There it is. Oh, you don't shit. know where I am now. I oh no! Done. All all attention is focused on Jordan and what's well, going on in his life. Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, I guess that's that, Jordan. What's going on with you? Uh, I mean, my week was far. Far less eventful than uh, getting married. I bought a bunch of pops. Um, all did? the all the summer convention pops came out this past week, and I told yeah. myself that I was only going to buy like one or two, and I bought I bought five. Hot damn! You know it's which not that which many. ones were they? <clears throat> um, I bought a Deathstroke that I only bought it because it comes in a red box, and I don't have any pops in a red box, so 
There you go. Why um, did it come in a red box? You know, I, I honestly don't know, but it's a it's a nice red box. You know, it stands out from the rest hmm. of my pops. I, I really like it. And it's I not bought like a diecast um, or anything. No, there was a diecast Captain America, but it wasn't shared with like a, a normal retailer, like a Hot Topic or a Fye. Um, you could only get it on Funko, and only if you won like the lottery to get into their event, which. Even though I have 200 plus pops, I, I've never won a Funko lottery ever. Not one on their website, not one for a convention that I've been to in person. They they hate me. It's, it's kind of sad. I never. They just don't either. know you like we do. I have I never so. like at a, at New York Comic Con or similar conventions in the years like what like I don't know seven or so years we've been going. I've literally never won the hey you can buy a pop. Uh, prize never once in my life yeah and neither have i and like i've bought pops at conventions but the one pop that we did win technically hannah won and just let me buy the pop that's why we have to bring her forever yeah yeah she's the she's the only one yeah the only good luck charm we have um but other than that i bought ray uh, the jacku version of ray in particular um cap wolf Mm -hmm. uh black noir and Blade from Walgreens. Wow! B- yeah. Black Noir from the uh, the boys. The boys. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. You said that really... in a really spooky way. Yeah, I, I, I was trying. I was going for spooky. I'm glad that it came across. Good job. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't really want Black Noir, uh, but he was available, and you know, just that was enough. That he was available, and I decided that that was enough. Yeah. Yes, because he was available, so you bought him anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was it. There, was, there wasn't as many um, this year as what I've been interested in in years prior, uh, which is good for my wallet. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if we said it already, but Nerd Life Podcast will be attending New York Comic Con this year. Whoop whoop. Assuming the world doesn't end further. Um, because you know delta variant is all is mm-hmm. all over the place and the hopefully we'll get to go my hopes is that they're just going to be like yeah you can't come here unless you're vaccinated which hey which we would all be are. great yes yeah, i'm so vaccinated too super vaccinated yeah we're so fucking vaccinated it's ridiculous um Anyway, so that's about it for us. We're going to leave now. No, I'm just kidding. We all saw The Suicide Squad. A film that just came out. And we're going to talk about it tonight on this very special episode of Nerd Life Podcast. Um, And Ron's not here because he hasn't seen it and also because we don't need a second reason. Uh, So overall, I absolutely fucking loved this film. Samesies. I, I enjoyed it so much, Similar actually. <laughs> from me. I also liked it a lot. Yes. Uh, we actually saw it together, Birdo and oh, I. Oh, we did. And at your children's. Yes, that is true. Um, yeah, it it, uh, it was obviously it was very distinct from Guardians of the Galaxy, but it had a lot of that same feel to it. And um, what I mean is, like, the way that James Gunn uses music specifically 
in his in his films is I don't know. It's really unique. Like he, one of the things he does uh, that he he did in this, and he's done in all the Guardians movies, is he uses music rather than to like accentuate to see a scene to undermine it, mm-hmm. and that I don't even know how to describe it. it. It only makes it better. You know what I mean? Like the juxtaposition of some like happy upbeat you know music during a really like grim, dark, or particularly violent in this case scene. Uh, is really, really, like, distinctly a James Gunn thing. Uh, And it also tells you, like, the overall tone of the movie. The scene specifically with Harley Quinn singing I Ain't Got No... or Well, I Ain't Got Nobody is playing and she's brutally murdering a bunch of uh, disposable henchmen. He's just brilliant in general. Like, the way that he can make you care about a set of characters that you know you you maybe never heard of before especially in like a comic book movie where you're you're kind of expecting like big names to come across to Mm -hmm. to take a a suicide squad with a dude named polka dot man and make you emotionally attached to that character by the end of the film is astounding Yeah. yeah i i'm yeah and he was offered uh he was offered any DC property he wanted to work on, and he, he picked this one. Um, and his initial pitch, uh, have you guys read about his initial pitch for this? Uh-huh. I don't think so. He, he said his initial pitch for this was it was going to be like a Roadrunner and Coyotes like style adventure, but the Coyote was going to be the Suicide Squad and the Roadrunner was going to be Superman. And they were going to be tasked with bringing him in and... Uh, be continuously unsuccessful in their efforts. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I'm very pleased with what we got, but fuck, that would have been really fun, too. <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and, of course, John Cena knocked it out of the park. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his as an individual, but also as a comedy movie star, I guess. Uh, it's really not fair that he's that funny. And he looks like that, and all that other stuff. Well, uh, he d- he delivered perhaps we didn't the know how funny he was until this movie. I think. Yeah, maybe he did deliver a line that was like straight out of our podcast, which was, "It's not showing off if it's dope as fuck." <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> which is definitely something at least one of us have said at least once. He he also said, "Ew, Ron, is that you?" Which, yeah. uh, <laughs> and that one, I think tonally ne- did not necessarily fit the rest of the film it but, was weirdly um, out of place um yeah yeah that that's not something that you say when facing down starro and yet that was his yeah that was his call to battle Starro, yeah. man that's so great it, that the movie was so comic booky it was um and you know what i i also felt and you guys tell me what you think about this too i feel like starro kind of had big mr stay puffed energy Yes. Um, where he was like, you know, a cute little brightly colored alien starfish with a big fucking anime eye right in the middle of his head. But, which in and of itself is obviously not a spooky or scary or existentially terrifying thing, but blown up to that scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it made it, it made it something that your mind was like, well, I, I, um, I, I don't know what to do with this information. Should I be scared? Should I find this funny? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. 
such a great villain choice too because if there was ever a if there was ever a distinctly or a perfectly James Gunn villain it would be Starro the Conqueror I think <laughs> yeah I agree I agree everybody that kind of like was in a villainous role in the movie because there were a few yeah. um, I think were pretty good I particularly like Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. sure. uh, who I thought was pretty brilliant as the thinker yeah, he he was really the only uh, the only villain I think we had in the film that didn't have like brief moments in which you could, if not identify with him, at least uh, be tricked into thinking that uh, that he was redeemable. He just kind of sucked right. the entire time. Yeah, yeah, he did. He he was the least human villain, or the least you know empathetic villain. I, oddly enough, I think human is probably fair there because even Starro has his like brief moment of humanity as he. And this is we we said this in spoilery, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we spoiling it. Okay, well, I mean we kind of have to. Hmm. Um, as he is dying, you know, uh, yeah, Thinker doesn't really have that. That heartbreaking. I was content just to float and look at the stars, and you're like, ah, come on, man. Yeah. Why you got to do that? Well, that was kind of a rad thing that that. I think James Gunn had done throughout the film where you notice that like no members, no central members of governments or authority were ever like trustworthy or otherwise reliable. They all fucking sucked, uh, <laughs> including, you know, Peacemaker, who was sort of a a blindly villainously loyal tool of uh, of, of government. We find, yeah. you know, yeah. at the end. And whereas all the like the. Uh, the quote-unquote the villains of this film conversely are largely like they're not completely reprehensible right they many of them have redeemable qualities yeah mm-hmm. with the exception of waller i guess but she's a government person too so right yeah she's um, the worst. she was the most yeah. centrally uh i think you know western government representative character we had and she was yeah. the biggest piece of shit um, she was i feel like in and it's been a long time so maybe i'm way off base here but i feel like in the first suicide squad movie she was not obviously not a good guy but i feel like she was less bastardy do you I, guys I agree yeah i mean she wasn't talking about like killing kids in the first movie yeah like she's right. just balls like uh what was uh steve aggie's character's name i can't remember but like um, he was like, oh my god, is she really going to kill a kid? And you don't know, but you think it's not outside the realm of possibility for her as a mm-hmm. notorious piece of shit. I mean, she seems to make it clear that it's a threat she was willing to go through with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I mean, that, that's sort of what we see from all official representatives of, of governments and militaries. I mean, he... Uh, I don't think that it was as like obviously damning a criticism as we got in like Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it uh, it made I think more of a statement, subtle though it may have been, uh, than like any prior DC film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think Idris Elba was a lot of fun as bloodsport uh i'm glad we got him like i I mean clearly he's just supposed to be a replacement for will smith's dead shot like literally same powers like same motivation Mm -hmm. uh and but i like him more 
I feel like he had a lot more personality than Deadshot did. I I, I agree, um, which is, I think, as much to, to James Gunn's credit as anything, or, or maybe yeah. to David Ayer's uh, discredit, which is to say that, like, we all know Will Smith is capable of... Uh, of giving you know uh, an Elba Bloodsport level performance. Oh yeah, and that that was not David a diss on Will Smith. Gave him the most lifeless fucking script uh, possible. Yeah, yeah. By all means, Will Smith's a hell of an actor. And yeah, you're right. Like that's more of a diss on Ayer than uh, anything else. For sure, I'm a Will Smith stan, and I enjoyed Idris's performance far more. I and, I oh go ahead. No, nothing. That, that, that's pretty much it. That's it. Wow. Um, well, then I was going to say <laughs> yeah. that I, I think I, I think that by introducing Peacemaker and also giving him a functionally identical backstory uh, to, to Bloodsport, I, I think that also undermines the sort of critical eye you could turn to Bloodsport being like a soft recast of the Deadshot role. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, because it, I mean, it shows us that like these these villains in the Suicide Squad are literally dime a dozen nobodies. You know, like mm-hmm. none of them are important enough to have uh, unique backstories that uh, that are engaging and worth following. Like they, yeah, they have they have plenty of that guy. You know, like they could, you know presumably had a dead shot. Whatever reason he's not available for this mission. They have another dead shot and another fucking dead shot if they need one. You know, like <laughs> they've they got a stable of characters that are just like that one. Like um, all of all of them disposable. You know, so it's yeah. While it is still obviously noticeable that we uh, that we don't have Will Smith, um, I think James Gunn, you know, by introducing the Peacemaker uh, in the way he did turned what could have been sort of a, a criticism, something that would stand out as being, you know, uh, a potential small failing of the movie becomes just kind of funny. You know, it mm. becomes part of the joke. Was there a, speaking of a, a large stable of characters, <clears throat> was there somebody that you guys expected to survive the movie that did not, or vice versa, somebody that survived that you expected to die for sure? Oh. I think I expected. Ooh, I really expected Polka Dot Man to survive. Honestly, um, I really did. I thought just because of how much uh, character he'd been infused with and how much he'd kind of grown, mm-hmm. I feel like he was going to survive and like be in sequels and be almost Bloodsport's sidekick, kind of. I really felt like that was going to be the case. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I, the only reason they had to kill him is because he was, he had uh, like legitimately powerful superpowers. I was going to say he was um, a little OP. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like had he not been kind of in, in anxious uh, twerp, he could have fucking probably one V one to Starro. No problem. Uh, like he, he could have just killed that guy. Um, I mean, he blew his his starfish leg off in like a second, you know. And so I think that uh, having him present and allowing him to attain competency in his powers would have made them have to answer the like 
ah, oh, fuck, these guys are, are like, competent now. Like, now they could fight Superman. He's got interdimensional, like, matter-eating, bacteria, plague blast powers. Like, that. Yeah. that's a problem for that guy. Um, so I, I, I literally think it's just because he had such rad powers that they had to, they had to kill him. Yeah, poor guy. I, I do think it was uh, a fun move that he, uh, well, I mean, he killed off half of the cast immediately. Quick. Um, and, and, I, and that was kind of a bit. Because they were in, like, all the advertising. They were, like, in all the marketing for everything. They were on the T-shirts and all that other good stuff. And then, like, not even five minutes mm-hmm. into the movie, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. And that was... That was a pretty good goof. I'm not gonna lie. That was a pretty good bit, uh, and it set up a bunch of fun stuff later on, like with javelin and whatnot. <laughs> the javelin uh, bit cracks me up, uh, in particular because um, I'm an avid listener of Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Conan needs a friend, and one of the recent episodes has Flula Borg on it, the guy that portrays javelin in that movie, and he spins what, 20 minutes of this 60-minute podcast talking about his role in the Suicide Squad? Got me really hype. I was so excited. Dead in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> five minutes. And I, I wonder, saw- too, if that was, like, part of the goof. Was it, like, James Gunn pulled him aside? He's like, okay, listen, I want you to really talk up your parts in this movie. Like, talk about the history and the origin and, like, the continuity and all that other stuff. Just talk it up. Talk it I up. I think so, too, because I saw a similar... Uh, interview with uh, Nathan Fillion about the TDK. Yeah, just the other day, where he oh, was such interviewed a... about how he and James Gunn were co-creators of this character and all the effort they put into making him fit into the squad and you know giving him a, a sort of a, a backstory and fleshing him out in a way that would make him meaningful in the face, you know, in spite of being a character with no real history in the comics. Um, yeah, I mean, he is sort of like a derivation of. Uh, arm fall off boy from uh, mm-hmm. the Legion of Superheroes, which is who I thought he was at first. Uh, yeah, uh, Nathan Fillion plays the detachable kid whose powers are he can detach his arms. <laughs> yeah, such great powers. Yeah, it, and what's what I thought was great about that particular scene is that like there's a world in which those powers are like rad. Uh, when he's like, if he had any martial capabilities whatsoever, like a reasonably proficient punchy dude who can like rocket punch his arms out there, that's pretty. That's pretty good. But he could not fight. He he just starts to like, you know, three stooges these guys until they inevitably machine yeah. gun his arms until he yeah, dies. Well, while he's just standing there. He doesn't yeah. even like hide, or so. he just kind of stands there and dances around for a hot second, mm-hmm. and then he gets shot. Um, yeah, I I do think that it. I don't know for some reason, and I, I think it might have to do with uh, reading him in um, Identity Crisis back in the early two thousands. But I've always had like a real grudge against Captain Boomerang. I do not like him. He always comes off as very sketchy and skeezy and gross. Yeah. So him dying right away, I'm like, oh, good. Well, it was also, I think, a very, uh, a very neat way of making it very clear that this was not uh, a part of that universe's Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. 
Because other than Harley Quinn, none of none of the original cast survived. Well, Rick Rick Flag was there. He died. He dies. Oh, I thought you meant like in the in the beginning. Like, yeah, I mean, he's no. I, I just mean over the yeah. course of the film. Uh, he, by the way, to answer your question, is the character that I most thought would survive till the end. Same. Um, yeah. They had done a lot to to make it clear that he was. He had growth. Uh, he had growth, and he had a legitimate concern and care for Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the and the lack of men in her life who who feel that way for her is sort of a a point of. Well, is a is a big moment for her in this movie too. I mean, when she fucking yeah. murders that president. Um, yeah. Which was I I honestly think the most. I mean, it was it was funny, but it was also one of the most cleverly powerful scenes that Harley Quinn has had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought Birds of Prey was a was a great movie. Um, yeah. And but this this was I think not only a very good continuation of that, but for a movie that was so like. Uh, bombastically and chaotically in your face and loud a lot of the a lot of the sort of emotional moments in the in the peak moments of of character development and growth across this film happened i think very subtly but in a way that was more meaningful uh yeah, maybe it's not fair to say more meaningful but uh i i think hit me harder than those same beats did in in birds of prey which was i think much louder about uh Harley Quinn's independence, you know, it quite literally just screaming it in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that as much as on the surface, this movie is just sort of like a shallow romp. It had some pretty like uh, powerful emotional beats for me, especially with like Bloodsport and uh, and Ratcatcher 2. Um, and, and I think one of the most powerful things about, about their relationship, I'm going to, I guess... I'm just going to hard left into this topic. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about this movie, and this is something that I think up until this point, like like Zack Snyder would have failed here. David Ayer would have failed here. Like every director we've had thus far in the DC universe, uh, I think would have failed, is that, you know, we have Bloodsport season Ratcatcher to, um, you know, his daughter. You know, this is a person who's only even in this prison because she was an incompetent criminal. Um, and she didn't belong there, and she might literally die because she was there with these people, which is the threat that that a Waller places on Bloodsport's daughter. Yeah. Um, and filmmakers, especially I think male filmmakers, and even more so shallow filmmakers like Zack Snyder and David Ayer, have a tendency to take these sort of paternal feelings between an older male character and a younger female one and immediately transition it into them fucking somewhere later down the road. Like, they, they develop the wrong kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think historically you see a lot of that, especially in action movies that are similar to this. And I thought it was so fucking cool that, uh, that James Gunn never even gave a hint of that. There was no... This did not develop into romantic or sexual tension. Yeah. Uh, it didn't become like... The old grizzled veteran wins over against all odds. The fucking young, beautiful, you know, heroine. It was uh, this person reminds me of my daughter, who is on the list of people that I would not fuck, and so mm-hmm. that means she can be on that list. She's on the list of of people that I uh, 
would not take mm-hmm. to the bone zone. And he I'm just fucking... he that that paternal instinct stays that way. It remains consistent the entire film, you know, uh, right up until he sees you know Peacemaker ready to kill her, and he goes fucking you know. Well, in the I mean, Papa Bear, and uh, whoops his ass, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I I loved that so much about this film. Um, that, that's probably my favorite moment of this whole movie was the way that Bloodsport and Ratcatcher two did not bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was so cool. And similarly, I felt a certain uh, I don't know. I I appreciated the fact that there wasn't a sexual component to. Harley and Rick Flagg's relationship. Like, I think it was just sure. nice that he, that she saw that there was a man out there who just liked her and cared about her and just, yeah. he d- didn't want to fuck her, you know, just was There's... just like, you know, I care about you as a person because you have value as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that moment when they are walking through the fog or whatever and she just like looks happy and Rick Flagg looks over and just kind of smiles because he sees that she is happy. Um, mm-hmm. That was another sort of subtle but powerful moment. Like there, there are a lot of uh, moments like that spread across this entire film mm-hmm. um, for, yeah. I, I think, nearly every character. I think uh, Rick Flagg had a lot of good boy moments. I, I also really liked um, after the crew had kind of rolled through the rebels village and, and killed everybody they're sitting there and rick flag is like hey you know while we're probably out here dying that'd be a great time for you guys to just overthrow the government sure like they'll be, they'll be completely vulnerable just go ahead i, I also I, I would point out another mega clever thing that they did um or that james gunn had done in this this movie is that both both rick flag and uh peacemaker are are technically coded as uh, military heroes. You know, they are uh, archetypical conservative characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in them, you see, you have Rick Flagg's character, who is somebody who, who upholds those sort of traditional values uh, in the same way that many people use to, like, demonize Captain America for being sort of a conservative symbol, where uh, literal classic conservative values are within this character you know he's he thinks that the government is only supposed to be a tool to help people and that it should be employed specifically for that purpose and otherwise should not interfere and should do no harm um and so he is sort of a a a literal and true patriot you know he is a hero and then you have john cena's you know peacemaker character who is also coded as you know a a a patriot um but he's a fucking ding-dong patriot. He's sort of mm-hmm. the current modern American uh, heavily and deservedly stigmatized patriot where, like, he does the dumbest non-thinking shit just because government say so. Uh, yeah. Up to and including that that hilarious, you know, you know, if this whole beach were covered in dicks <laughs> and I had to eat every one for peace, I would do it. Like, you know, there's that that element of just uh, fanaticism in him that is that is unhealthy and dangerous and does quite literally nobody any good. Right, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think James Gunn once again did an incredible job of, uh, of making a, a fairly subtle statement about uh, current American patriotism slash fanaticism. Um, now, I, I, I think that 
some people will miss out on that and just laugh, you know, and strong man says fuck or says dick, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I think we'll see a lot of that, but um, there are, there are many ways in which this movie has some like surprisingly powerful messages for its audience that are just sort of subtly hidden behind dick jokes and uh, funny helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I think a good filmmaker can do. Like look at Taika Waititi in uh, Thor Ragnarok. He told an amazing story about like anti-colonialism and like re-examining our history and stuff like that. And it was disguised as like, ha ha ha. Look at it. He's, He's a ding dong who got smashed by the Hulk. He's so handsome and stupid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking, Speaking of, of Taika, Taika, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say at first, uh, his Ratcatcher one, uh, really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his line. I didn't about... even know that was him until the very end. Whenever he has that speaking line. Oh, no, yeah, the yeah. flashback scene was cool. Uh. Yeah, they were cool. He also voiced Starro. Oh, did he? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that <tracks>. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that was his other role in that film. And uh, yeah, he's. it's great that Taika Waititi is slowly becoming the guy who does good voice for dumb monsters. Yes. Um, gotta love it. Speaking of kind of dumb monsters, I also loved Ratcatcher 2 and King Shark's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. King Shark is the Groot of this film. He he is, uh, but but again, for a character who had like, I mean, King Shark had like twelve lines or less of total dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also is the character that made me sad the most, mm-hmm. um, because while they introduce him briefly as sort of a big dumb wants to eat everybody guy, from the moment that he has the uh, that like. You wouldn't eat your friends, would you? I don't have any friends. I'll be your friend. Moment he has with Ratcatcher too. He becomes, uh, like a character that you're really rooting for, but continues to be sort of uh, discarded and uh, maybe not emotionally manipulated, but emotionally ignored by the rest of the cast. They they don't really take him seriously um, as. Uh, as a personage, right? Like as uh, as a human, or I guess in this case, metahuman. He's not. Yeah. He. They don't give him personhood. He's just kind of, except for Ratcatcher too, uh, mm-hmm. which of course later comes to matter quite a bit. Um, but the number of times that you see him like alone and sad and discarded, either like in the back of a van or you know wandering in a hallway, really fucking started to get to me by the end. Uh, of the movie. You know? No, yeah. same, same. I'm glad he got his moment. And even after he he thought that he had found some friends or some people that he could relate to, those little fish in like the aquarium at the top of uh, the tower, and yeah. they ended up being awful when they yeah. got out. Even that made me a little sad. Did no? Sure. Okay, uh, let me ask you guys something. If if you have an answer to this, um, were those fish supposed to be something we recognize? I, I just assumed that you would know, Ryan. Um, so I guess not then. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I don't know. Yeah, me either. Because they looked so distinct and unique that I was like, was that supposed to be something I know? Yeah, uh, they, I mean, they had to be. 
Yeah, and maybe they are because there there's some deep cuts. Like I had to look up some people in this movie where I was like, wait, who the fuck is Savant? I don't know that person. Batman villain apparently, but hmm. still, it was like, well, wait a minute, I don't know who that guy is. I had to look them up. Uh, yeah, the even the island Corto Maltese. That's that's a deep cut from the DC universe. That's the island from the Dark Knight Returns that was a, a, a the DC universe equivalent of Cuba. Wow. Um, keep talking. I'm googling those jelly <laughs> things. You're googling what? <laughs> those the jelly fish? little fishies. Fish. Oh, what about what? um? Um, I just wanted to give my guy a shout out. What was that dude's name? Like the normal ass you, dude, the bus driver, you, Milton. You, you Milton, can't bro. Give a shout out and then ask the name of the person. Dude, Jordan, that he was, was the for, whole bit. He, he was the he, that kind of was the whole bit. <laughs> Yes, uh, that, the was, that great. was such a good bit too. Because the thing is, is like when that happened, yeah, we we the viewing audience were all on the same page of like, wait, who's Milton? <laughs> yeah, that joke was the only that I laughed out loud at that joke when Harley's like, I'm pretty sure that he wasn't here. Yeah. My my favorite was when they continued that bit later, and Harley Quinn thought that Bloodsport was Milton. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yes, that was good. Yeah. No, I mean that's it, this movie was was such a banger, and I hope my my big hope here is that this is sort of the catalyst for the the final jettisoning of the rest of the Snyderverse. Yeah, get it out of here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because this I mean this movie is pretty consistently critically acclaimed. I've only met uh, I, I have one friend who didn't particularly like it. What really? Um, You're not their friend anymore, right? No, we, we. I mean, we're certainly still friends. Um, you know, he's he's of course dead to me, but good, good. I'll, I'll still I'll I'll honor him as a friend. No, I mean it. Just uh, I'm not entirely certain what it was about it that that put him off, but uh, he just uh, didn't make those same connections. Oh, is it because he hates fun? That's probably it. Honestly, I've seen some people on my socials, like some casuals who. Like, the reasons that they've listed that they didn't really like the movie were the reasons that I loved it. Think, like, silly comic book things like Starro and yeah, Polka Dot Man. Was, it, I heard that one, too. Yeah, it was, it, like it was those kind of things that are turning people off. People that are kind of used to the more grounded in reality mm-hmm. right. Marvel cinematic movies. Well, that kind of thing. I, I also think there is probably a degree to which, given the, like, the sort of current uh, political climate... That it's probably just tough for some people to to watch a movie that really only has villains in it. I mean, mm-hmm. these villains have human moments, and you're supposed to root for them, um, you know. Yeah. But uh, like uh, this friend had pointed out that you know at the opening of the film, Bloodsport is a very clearly incredibly shitty father, yeah, um, and that never really went away for him. Like no matter what moments he shared with other people, he kept thinking. Well, he's still a shitty father. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he just could that. not like. He couldn't bring himself to like those other moments later on. Could not redeem this character for him. So he just saw a villain and a shitty dad who, like, this one time was doing a thing that was kind of good. Um, and and I think that y- you have to wonder that like if this were 2015, uh, he probably liked the movie. <laughs> you know, because it's it's easier to not hyper fixate on negative shit. 
when the world is not like crumbling around you. And, yeah. and I think there's there are probably I think just some people this this friend amongst them who uh, not only require like absolute levity right now from the the films that they they watch, but uh, probably also just like have those films have to be playing for the right team. Um, yeah, you know. Now see, that I said, see. I think that it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, there's an entire scene where like the fucking suicide squad is casually and hilariously uh, murdering who turns out 30 seconds later to be the fucking good guys. Yeah. <laughs> like know, all like, of them. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it, it was funny, uh, but like in a vacuum, a kind of a bummer <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that they had just like casually murdered all the friends and family of that one chick. And her response to that is I would fucking kill the rest of them myself if it meant getting the president out of office and you're like okay okay <laughs> you know like that that sort of hyper absurdity you know when you're in the right headspace i think is very easy to laugh at but mm-hmm. I, I i can also see it swinging the other way where like it i, I could see somebody finding that exhausting yeah. uh, fortunately yeah, I can see that too. uh fortunately i'm i'm in the other camp where like uh I, it it worked for me, you know, mm-hmm. and I I thought that largely uh, the the emotional moments in this movie were deep and uh, compelling, and and just generally worked well enough that it. I mean, I I, th- I think that James Gunn hit like every beat, you know, like while that scene was, uh, I mean, technically disturbing. It was so like he stuck the landing so well. It was so fucking funny. Um, so I, I I don't know. I, I have I have relatively few complaints about about the film like on the whole. Um, I mean, it may have like briefly dragged a little bit there in the middle mm-hmm. uh, whenever they're setting up the final act, but like. I mean, it was brief, and I like I don't even know that I would say that. You know, it's just like if I'm looking for something, there are some moments there in the middle, like that I guess got a little slow, uh, but then they fucking took off again at high speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so. and I I gotta say too, just as a I don't know, as we were talking about um, in the group chat earlier, uh, on unrelated to a degree but uh what if just came out this week and the dc social media pages had hijacked the what if hashtag and were shit talking marvel um which to me says okay first off you just got your shit together dc like you've (laughs) you've had it together for 10 minutes you know that's like if you go to the gym once and then you're like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go shit talk those crossfit guys like, don't do that, dog. Don't do that. And also, too, is your is your new thing, like, are you leaning into the whole, like, hey, we're DC. Our fans are shitty online to people. I guess that's our thing. Uh, because don't do that either, asshole. Um, yeah. And I, I'm it, hoping it, that's not the case, but I don't know. I think this is more of a, like, I think this is just they're going for a, a viral marketing blitzkrieg, right? Like, I think they're just hoping this works. Um, the unfortunate thing, and I had also mentioned this in, in that group chat, is that I think if this were limited to the Peacemaker account, it would be fucking brilliant. 
I, yeah. I think it's a great marketing strategy specifically for that property because that's who that character was. He was all like, you know, uh, he was he was a braggart. You know, he he spends the entire movie talking about how much better he is than Bloodsport. In fact, that's like our introduction to him. Uh, after Amanda Waller tells Bloodsport, she lists the qualities he has and his unique history and says, you're the only man like you. You're the man we have to have for the job. And then she introduces Peacemaker and gives the same fucking list of skills and like historic upbringing. Uh, and Bloodsport's like, you're fucking with me, right? He's, he's the exact same guy as me. And Peacemaker's like, only better. You know, like, and they have an entire exchange in which, you know, I mean, his whole character is one-upmanship and, and, you know, exaggerated confidence. And so if he were to do that, just on that account with the Marvel Universe, I think it would be brilliant and a technically very funny marketing campaign. But have it leak into the Doom Patrol, and presumably we'll see it in other properties soon, doesn't make sense for me. It, it cheapens it and makes it just a you know, a fucking blitzkrieg marketing campaign on Twitter that they hope pans out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think it, I think it could get exhausting fast. Yeah. And it probably will, honestly. Sure. Like I'm already sick of it. Um, and I, God, you know, and we've talked about this a lot, but I am just sick to death of, dc's bullshit i want to like because superman has always been my thing since i was a baby and it just sucks dick that like i can't in good conscience like them because one they produce shitty material and two they're just assholes like i can't get behind that you know and just forget the fact that they've been shitting all over his character for the past 10 years sure ah Anyway, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about Suicide Squad related? Um, no. <laughs> Not so hot damn. Think what about it. you? You think we did it? I think we did it. I think we did. You might be right. Well, We should arbitrarily assign it a number for how good we think it is. Oh, I would say that it is... Uh, it, it is a... Solid 31. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Don't tell us what that's out of. I'm not gonna. Let's let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah, you decide. Um Are we yeah. are we all picking a number? Yeah. I'm, I I would say it's a one. Oh. Oh dip. No, see now we got quite the range. That's crazy. I'm I'm gonna say 172. Shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. It is. Because I don't a... I don't know what your number is out of Jordan. I think I know. I have two guesses for Ryan's. <laughs> Obviously, I know what mine is out of, uh, but I'm not sure. <laughs> we we're not gonna tell him. I'm personally not going to. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to tell him. Yeah, I agree. Well, well, <laughs> that being the case, let's uh, we'll, we'll call it a we'll call it a night for tonight, guys. Go, we're gonna put Jordan to bed. Mm-hmm. He's 
He's full of of warm milk, and he's been read his story. Ew, ew. Jordan Ugh. loves milk. Gosh. Jordan any, any loves of... the moo juice. That made I me know, a little sick just hearing right you say now, milk. Sh- shush, Jordan. Right now, I know that times are tough for many Americans, and it's difficult to make a financial donation, even to your favorite podcast. So if anyone instead would like to send Jordan milk... That would be a, you don't even have to refrigerate it honestly. Oh. Um yeah, huh. just shoot just shoot him a milk. Mm-hmm. Wherever mm-hmm. you want. And if you ever see Jordan in a bar, at the club, uh <laughs> a restaurant with his closest friends and family or his uh his dear partner or daughter, send mm-hmm. him a round of milks. <laughs> All kinds. One of each milk they got on the menu. And he'll I mean, he'll appreciate you. Yeah, my daughter will at least. Loves send this. her. So she, so she drinks milk, but not you. She does. She yeah, she drinks it all. You know, chocolate, strawberry, regular. Is is it regular, or is it uh, white? What, I how think do you, it's what just do you say? Milk. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. Mateo yeah. calls it white milk. Yeah, yeah. Milk. I mean, he, it's he white. Ca- he calls it white milk uh, specifically, and I think it's just so that he knows. Um, that that it's that one. I don't know that it needs its own title. Well, I, I think his concern is if he just says milk, you might bring him back chocolate. Mm-hmm. You might bring him back strawberry. Mm-hmm. And so uh, white milk is just the plain one. And, and it, it's sort of categorically plain. Like when he says white, it could be 2%. It could be vitamin D slash whole milk. Like... You got options on the table, you know, but if he says vanilla and so help him God, you bring him chocolate, that's it. I don't, I don't get these percentages. What is 2% milk? Is it only 2% milk and the rest is just like water? What's going on there? Um, um, I think yeah. it's the, I think it's the likelihood of death. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that must be why all the people that I know that have drank whole milk aren't with us anymore. I'm Googling it right now. We're going to find out right now. I honestly have no idea. Stick with us, gang. (laughs) Answering the important questions here on Nerd Life Podcast. Yeah. Um, It means that milk fat is 2% of the total weight of the milk. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, that was worse than what I was expecting. (laughs) Yes, I don't care for that information. I wish I didn't know it. <laughs> um, oh, ooh, do y'all hear that thunder? I do. It's my, fucking actually, not messing around out there. Yeah, my whole house is about, shaking. So when we started this podcast, I don't know if you heard this, Ryan, there was a moment that lasted for like three straight minutes that was nonstop rapid fire thunder. Mm-hmm. I uh, did, yes. It was super cool. It's fucking apocalyptic as hell out there. Yeah, it's yeah. cool that we're probably living in the last generation. You know, I don't know if there's much after this. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Exciting. I, uh, it's, I saw someone said the other day, and I think it's true, like, we, ha- we're, we have to go through the uh, fuck around portion of history in order to get to the find out portion. Yeah. And that's where we are right Defin- now. Definitely in the find out portion. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh shit! Whole milk is three point two five percent fat. What? I don't yeah. care for that either. 
I expected it to be much more, you know? No, apparently when milk comes out of the cow, it mm. is 3.25% fat. Mm. So and unpasteurized, just, you know? The cow just expels that much fat alongside mm-hmm. the milk. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been our dairy podcast, Moo Life. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and you would probably enjoy I'm so upset. Watch. Why didn't you call it herd life? <laughs> I don't know because cows moo, okay? They yeah, do but they, they moo. They, but that doesn't rhyme. Do yeah, they herd? Are there herds of cows? Yes, it's a herd of cattle. Hmm, I guess that's okay. That's, I'll that's give you true. that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go start my own podcast with with a better name. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. All right. Well, thanks for listening, gang. Uh, you're welcome for not having Ron in this podcast. Um, and we will hopefully see you again soon. Nobody else get married for a hot minute, okay? Bet. Like ever? Huh? How long's a hot minute? As long as it takes. Are you yeah. getting married? No, no, no. Not right now, at least. Okay. Maybe tomorrow or the next week, but not right now. You know. The mo- what? Well, hold on. No, no. Can we I might, make a recommendation? We might need to address this. What 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 was the recommendation? Elope. Elope, I mean, invi- hey. Invite me. <laughs> but, uh, both you boys will be invited, no worries. Hell yeah. yeah. But the rest of it. Um And I can you know, I'm super good at marrying people now. So I witnessed it with my own eyes. Yeah, Jordan was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could have been there. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. But you weren't. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to Nerd Life. Um, go be our friend. Like us, follow us, subscribe, share, and uh, throw money at us. And if you like what you heard, what the fuck? And if you didn't, that's all right. I understand. Yeah, that and makes sense. Until next time, gentle listener, stay handsome. Podcast over. Oh, I gotta reach so fucking far to turn this off. Wow. Oh no, I don't have my glasses on. I can't see my mouth. <laughs> it's the green button, the red button, the red one.